I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Pod 4, Season 2 of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host, Christian Brown, and, and as always, I'm joined by Lee Clark, Adam Wicklow and Reese Lane. And we come full of brimming and positivity after Forest secured their first Premier League victory since May 1999. As they defeated West Ham United 1-0 at the City Grounds. The result makes it to the 10th in the Premier League after two games. Three points clear of Manchester United and one point, oh, sorry, two points ahead of Liverpool before the uh, Monday night kickoff. So, you know, it's all looking good. Uh, it comes that way in the season. I think we'll be in a very good place, but we'll take it one step at a time for now. But, um, so, yeah, we'll start with you, Adam. Obviously, um, it was going to be a big occasion anyway game, the West Ham game, because you know, first Premier League game in 23 years, sellout crowd, but it what pleased me most was that it sort of felt like the atmosphere from Sheffield United playoff game, the momentum sort of continued over. It didn't feel like there'd been a break. It felt like they were right up for it from the start and that carried through from minute one to minute 90, even when the going got tough at times, and it did, as uh, we'll come on to later on in this pod. I feel like there's a real uh, difference between Two set to like forest fans. You've got the forest fans on Twitter that absolutely despise each other and, and uh, absolutely hate on each other. And then when we get in the ground, we're all best pals and kind of uh, clobber together to, to support the team. And I thought it was superb. And, and obviously, you've got fans now going, Oh, they, they were brilliant and was really, really loud and saying now, Oh, what, what revisit this when they get where they're 18th and that been uh, a spell where it's not going so well we were bottom of the league and, and having good support for Steve Cooper when he started to turn things around so I think it's really good it's it's going to be a big positivity thing for our season we're going to win most of our points at home and that's that's the important thing I think even teams like like City, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Liverpool will find it difficult to find their voice if we're like that every week. And we've got to be, we've got to treat it almost like a cup final every week. And I know we might get laughed at for that, but we've got to take that as an advantage. It's got to be something that's part of our arsenal almost, not just not just the players on the pitch and the tactics that Steve Cooper's um, getting them to do. But we've, we've got to play our part as well. And, and if we can do that, then, then why not? Because atmosphere in English football is not always the best. So if we could be one of those ones that are where you, where teams go, bloody hell, we're going Forest, it's going to be loud and it's going to be tough, then that gives us an edge, doesn't it? No, definitely. I think it goes without saying, I mean, West Ham, generally speaking, have quite good support, but they were very, very quiet. They sang Forever Blowing Bubbles Forest, about five times. They were times. very quiet. <laughs> Yeah, they, they sang for... Great, they? Like, no, um, no, they, I, th- I yeah, think they... I do think we sort of drowned them out a bit, but... I think we took them by surprise. I mean, it was quite funny that one there was a bit of a lull another part of the ground would just start singing and 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 it was brilliant it was class to be part of um and fair play to everyone doing it in like 33 degree heat never mind the players if the fans just suffered just as much i would say yeah it was bloody warm on that ground honestly i mean obviously i was atop at, um, up a new one obviously the heat rising it was yeah it was not pleasant but thankfully we went up for a pinch and really really sorry started really well we actually came out of traps very quickly very strongly and um, you know, one he flashed ahead of wide. Uh, I think it was near Carter had a header tipped onto the bar. 
Um, Fabianski was called into action one of his own players. Forrest, um, there was a, a book, great ball from Lingard that was inches away from Awani as well. Like we really started intently on the front foot. And um, obviously, however, then we were very quickly reminded that we were playing a team that qualified in for Europe for a league position last season and West Ham more than dug their heels in and responded. Yeah, we did start well. Um, you know, just what Adam said there, surely, you know, Premier League teams know what they're going to get at Forest. They know the crowd's going to be up. It's his first, you know, time in the Premier League in 23 years. You know, if that's a surprise for teams, then, you know, who's doing their research for them? But, um, no, enough of that. Um, yeah, we started brilliantly. and The, the atmosphere was brilliant. I, I, I absolutely loved it yesterday. The get, I thought the game was amazing. I thought the speed of the game, it was literally end-to-end for 90 minutes, pretty much. I absolutely loved it. And I'm probably saying this because it's the first um, game I've seen at the City Ground in the Premier League for a long time after all these years in the second and third tier. So, But yeah, it was a top game. And, you know, um, a one-year, his runs were excellent, early doors. He, I loved his battle with Kurt Zuma. You know, same at the other end with Antonio Neocarte. It was just um, a great game. Um, and I have no idea how it finished 1-0, to be honest. Um, you know, if you are a betting man and you do like your, your over 2.5 goals, I think you'd be a bit annoyed if um, you've had that on your coupon yesterday and it didn't come in. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance to plenty for sure. And um, speaking of, there was one big talking point, um, just for half-time, Lee, where um, side Ben Rama, who had been a constant form in our sides the whole game, really, and certainly came out with a point to prove. And obviously he's had these issues at West Ham where it's sort of felt like he maybe isn't part of Moyes' plans, but whenever he's played, he's looked all right. But he really sort of like started with intent and caused us all manner of issues um, whenever we got the ball. And he put the ball in back on net. Obviously the ball, they celebrated. And then obviously VAR stepped in and realised that what I can only describe from Mikel Antonio as a body slam on Neo Carse, that he ran about five yards and just flew into him. And um, but for some reason, there seems to be a few that seem to think that it's a hearty and a normal challenge. It's two players colliding. There's nothing wrong with it. So, Lee, what's your uh, take on the incident? And was the referee right to disallow the goal? I think anyone who says otherwise is absolutely deluded. I mean, I read a piece with Mark Olsey in the Sun today saying that it should have been given. I mean. That probably highlights that I always used to think Mark Olsey was bang average anyway. So, I mean, this, you know, there's probably no surprise why, you know, he's come and said something that's completely against the grain to what anyone with, with a working set of eyes should be able to, to kind of grasp. I mean, I've got sympathy for the ref. I think it's, I kind of understand why he's missed it because he's got his eyes on Rice, who's got the ball, and he can't actually see Antonio just go body slamming into uh, Mangala. Obviously, that's why we've got VAR. And I think the moment he went over to the screen, um, I, I was never in any doubt that it'd get disallowed because if one player was going to close Rice down, it was going to be Mangala. So it was an easy one for me. Um, and I, I actually think for all the stick that VAR gets, that's exactly why it's been brought into the game for decisions like that. No, I agree. I, I, like I said to you guys earlier, I think that had that been the championship, we would have lost that game because mm. that goal would have stood. I don't think we'd have got back into it because of just how strong West Ham were throughout the game. I'm not, I couldn't have seen us breaking away and scoring. And, um, but that is why it's there. And you're right, I think yesterday was a perfect example of why it is used. There are other times which we'll come on to in the game that it was used and to the right effect. So you know, when it's like that, I don't really see how people can complain because that we've got the benefit of it. Okay, it might have taken, we might have got seven minutes stoppage time at the end, which is a bit more nail-biting, but we've got the right decision. And surely that's what we want as fans. And that's it as well. I think as well, you look at it and it's, it, it perhaps is a little bit harsh, isn't the word, but it is a bit unfortunate because Antonio at that speed, it, it, it's going to be difficult for him to just put the brakes on. But it, it's the bit where he, he actually puts his arms up to kind of stop himself. So he, he essentially pushes Mangala to the floor. If it's just a normal collision, that those arms wouldn't be there, I don't think. Um, and that's what kind of makes it a foul as opposed to a collision between two players. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just very grateful that common sense prevailed. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's been disallowed. And then you saw the rest out and the celebrations kept going and going. It's like, hmm, is it going to be disallowed? And then eventually VAR kicked in and thankfully the right decision was made. But Adam West Ham were immediately made to rue um, that decision as Forrest's 
very quickly took the game away from them. Obviously, went up the other end and scored. Um, I want to pick out, obviously, Harry's Topolo here. So I thought his work was tremendous in going down the left-hand side and riding a challenge and putting it across. Obviously, Lingard should score. But then um, Taiwo at 1E become Taiwo at 1E, I guess we can say, as someone pointed out on Twitter earlier. <laughs> and um, yeah, our first goal in 23 years of the Premier League side is a mess. Just like the goal that took us out of the league was a mess, but they all count. You say it's a mess, but actually the build-up play is really good football from, from us. Mangala dictated the play from, from start to finish. He's he's asking for the ball off the centre-halves and, and knocking it about, and then eventually he gets played down the left, and Toffolo does really good work. I thought he was excellent yesterday, actually. Um, he, he kept Jarrah Bowen fairly quiet, I thought, and obviously made a great uh, goal-line clearance uh, in the first half as well, but... Yeah, great cutback. That's a Forest kind of thing of last season, getting those cutbacks. And and Lingard, you can tell he's a bit rusty with, with that and, and some of his touches, but he's in the right place at the right time. And I think, although it is a scrappy finish, you're more fuming if your number nine is not in that position to pounce, aren't you? So they all count. Um, I thought when I watched one of these uh, highlight reel from Union Berlin, he is a uh, one-touch finisher and that, that kind of takes that into consideration, doesn't it? But I think he'll take that first goal, get you, get the monkey off your back. I thought he was excellent yesterday. He was awkward, unorthodox, horrible to play against. He just reminded me of Antonio when he was in the championship for us. Just He doesn't know what he's doing, so defenders don't know what he's doing. And we've obviously quickly learned that he's not a back-to-goal striker because we were just playing the ball channels and and getting it into feet, but he, he really bullied their back line and, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And we're going to need him a lot this season, especially more more so away from home as well when the going gets tough. But yeah, he he, he was brilliant and, and the goal was 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 great and we deserved it. I thought I thought first half we 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 made a lot of chances, a lot of half chances, but we we peppered Fabianski's goal a lot more than they did Henderson. So great. No, I would agree with that. And I'm I'm very pleased for what as well. I mean, he, I think he copped a lot of unfair stick because he wasn't rattling in 15 goals against Burton Albion. Like that's meant to mean something in pre-season. I thought he looked razor sharp against West Ham. Um, you know, like you said, uh, like Reese touched upon earlier, like bullied Zuma, pulled him all over the place. And um, just like his cap felt, which is quite nice. And um, <laughs> yeah, like I, you, know, you caused them, I think you're right as well, away from home, he'll be very useful. And yeah, strikers feed off confidence. We know that, we've seen that, you know, they live off goals as well. He won't care how that goal's come. All he cares about is off his, he's off and running now and he'll be like over the moon with that. And hopefully we see a much more confident and more assured of what he's moving forward to. And that, that's only in our benefit as well. But um, after halftime, Reese, obviously we have that 15 minutes to sort of digest it and sort of process the fact that we were winning a Premier League game. And um, within, well, seconds, uh, Worrell lumps the ball up the pitch as as if we were still in the championship. West Ham take the ball, say thank you very much, run straight up the other end, hit the bar, and then for, um, force Henderson into an unbelievable save from about five yards out, which um, started Forrest's goal, leaving a bit of a charmed life. Um, obviously, we're still finding our fate in the frame. It's going to take a time, a time, but surely things like that have to be eradicated very quickly because we won't keep getting away with like, actions like that. I was stupid for more, I thought. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 diving in on Ben Rama. I mean, the thing is, like, like what happened? Ben Rama gets away from him. He's on the floor. He's got no chance of getting back. He's just got to stand him up there. And if Ben Rama goes by him, at least he's on his feet to try and run back. But <laughs> if I'm being unbiased, you know, if I was watching a neutral, you have to feel a bit um, sympathetic for West Ham because they've literally hit the underside of the bar twice. It's bounced on the line and come out and. I said to um, my partner, now, I said, you know, when it's your day, it just felt like that yesterday. And, and then obviously when the penalty happened, as we'll come on to, um, my partner turned around to me and said, well, if what you've said's true, he's going to save this and then even save that. So, yeah, um, as gold did live a charm life, um, you know, even even the Suchek uh, header from when it hit the bar, he should score that, really. I don't know why I didn't add that into the floor, because if he did, he didn't have made it 1-1. He, he literally headed it so Anderson could push it out. Um, and then, like, you know, he's made the penalty save and and then Scott McKenna's done a forearm smash to, to um, 
you know, save was one as well. So and from from their perspective, you'll probably be think looking at yesterday at how they didn't get a result, but at the end of the day, that's that's football. You've got to take your chance, they had a chance to get back in the game, you know, a two hundred pound two hundred million pound midfielder apparently. He didn't take it. So we move on and um we take the three points from it. Absolutely, yeah. It was, I thought it was a very poor penalty from Rice as well. I thought, I oh, terrible penalty. Expect a lot better from him. It was literally a daisy cutter along the floor. I think if I had a dive to my right, I think I'd have kept start, to be honest. <laughs> terrible penalty. But um, I think the most important thing, after they hit the bar from the trap, from the, straight from the off, and then they kept some the pressure and pinned in for a little while. But we did break out. Obviously, we had a goal to allow for, um, you know, for VAR, uh, which, offside, which was obviously the right call. Johnson was just fractionally early, which was very unfortunate because, like, just to show obviously why I had a very quiet game. Probably the quietest performance I say of the, whoever played for Forest yesterday. But obviously he did get that one chance and can show that he is dangerous when he gets the ball. But um, obviously then, you know, uh, near Carter, he has a header from a corner that's like very well kept out from Fabianski. We could have gone two and up then. But then at the of course, you know, as Reese has touched upon, Moral dives in on Ben Rama, completely misses him, gets left for dead. The ball gets cut back across the box and um, McKenna throws himself in front of the ball. A shot and um, well, it is handball, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I didn't really clock it at first from where I was, but it, yeah. Uh, could you have any real complaints that was given? And I guess the more other pressing concern is, did you think the yellow card was fair instead of a red? Yeah, I feared you were going to throw that second bit on and put me on the spot of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a penalty, it's 100% handball. Um, it's, it's, it's such a difficult one. I personally don't think. I don't think the law's set up to presume that the goalkeeper is going to save it. Um, so for me, I think he's very fortunate to stay on the pitch. To be honest, um, it's a difficult one. I mean, you watch you watch the ref. Is it the ref show they have on Sky Sports News this morning? They've got Dermot Gallagher and a couple of ex pros on. They didn't know between them. Dermot Gallagher's making a case for yellow card. Stephen Warnock says, as a player, you want a red card. So for me to sit here as a as a lower league referee and try and give you a definitive answer is nigh on impossible. But Personally, I think he's lucky to stay on the pitch. I just think if if you're diving in the way of a ball, essentially divert it away from the, the posts, whether the keeper's there or not, to me, that should be... Um, he's denied an obvious chance to score a goal. It, it could end up in the net. Likewise, it could end up in, in Anderson's palms. But like I say, I just don't think the law is set up to kind of presume that the keeper's going to save it. Um, so, yeah, I think... Again, my problem, my only problem with decisions like this is in VAR, it's it's another referee that's on VAR. So why do we have to waste time saying essentially when the referee says go and have a look, he's saying I think it's a penalty. As a Premier League referee, I think it's a penalty. So why does he need to go and have a look? Why can't we cut all that out and say I think you've got this wrong, you've made a clear and obvious error, number twenty six has handballed it, award the penalty. I, I I just don't. I think in that situation we're just making. We're making what should be a really simple decision that probably 29,000 people can see. We're making it so complicated and it's just kind of taking taking the sting out of the entertainment value of what football is supposed to be, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. It's one of those, like, as soon as you see the, the ref like jogging over to the screen, you know it's getting overturns. It's sort of just like, you're right, you can skip all of that out and you save time as well. That's a good minute or so. They just stood there watching it. It's sort of like... We all know, like, as fans have all grown to customise with referees, as soon as they run over to a monitor, yeah. that decision's being overturned. It doesn't matter, like, you know, that, that is, I think it's pretty much 100%. I don't think I've seen maybe once a referee sort of gone, actually, I'm sick of my decision. So and this is it. This is it. They're not going to... That's what I don't think, because, like, people are saying that like it's a real... Um, a lot of the pundits you listen to and that, they're saying it's like, oh, well, they never changed their mind. Well, why, why are they going to do? I mean, in some situations, you will have... I mean, yesterday, I think it was Michael Salisbury on VAR. So he is a first-year Premier League referee, whereas Rob Jones has had like two or three years on there now. But in some situations, you might have, you might have Mike Dean doing it when Mike, Michael Salisbury might be on the pitch. So he's not going to turn around to Mike Dean and say, actually, I think you're wrong and I'm going to stick with my decision, is it? It's just not going to happen. I think that the referee goes over to the monitor to determine whether he thinks Henderson has a chance of saving it. I think Henderson does have a chance of saving it when I see it on, on the replay. And I think he's kind of common sense has almost prevailed because you've already got a double jeopardy. I know it's a player and it's not a goalkeeper or whatever, but I think 
keeping 11 men against 11 on in that situation is better for the game overall. And I think the referee has gone into common sense and gone, if it was going in and Henderson was nowhere near it, send him off. And I've got no complaints about it, similar to what Suarez did in the World Cup a few years ago. But I think he's thought, well, I'm not sending them off. They've got a penalty. It makes it still a better game for the fans, in my in my opinion. That might sound a bit biased, but I, I think it's it's better. I think I do, think, me, I do think that I do think that is a fair point in that in that situation yesterday. I think that is a good point. He probably did go over to the to the screen to see if Anderson was going to save it. That said, I still don't understand why the bloke in the box can't make that. Call yeah, yeah, it's true. It's the same, same I, thing. I, I think for me, the reason probably why they don't do that, and I do agree with you both, um, is probably because they feel like a VAR uh, ref would like kind of undermine the on mm. the pitch ref. So it's kind of as if like, oh, I think you've got it wrong, but can you make sure uh, I, I am right as well? Because you know what it's like in the media league on talk sport and that. If, if, if the VAR official undermines the on-field referee, folk will moan about it. So it's like you can't win. So it's it's kind of a, you know, a thing to, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, like just to make sure kind of thing that the on-field ref is 100% correct. It still takes too it, long for me. I, su- I suppose, I suppose you know, playing devil's advocate a little bit, it's easier for a player to understand if, because essentially if the bloke at Stockley Park makes the decision, the, the players can't abuse him. They can't ask him the question why. Whereas if the referee goes and looks, at least he goes back onto the pitch. And if there is still any complaints, they've got someone to kind of vent their frustration yeah. around there. That's it. Not, it'll, it'll count for nothing anyway as uh, Henderson saved it. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is good for us. But no, um, yeah, I mean, I thought, um, let's touch on Henderson very quickly, Lee. Um, well, what, about, what a goalkeeper, first and foremost. And, um, you know, we're already falling into the trap of don't fall for lone players again, aren't we? Just hoping that we can find a way to tie them down if we stay up. I mean, um, I thought it was exceptional yesterday, Dean Henderson. I mean, obviously couldn't have been more better time for him after the Hayes Howling antics at um, Brentford. But you know, do you think there's a chance if we stay up, we could maybe keep Henderson? Is that too early to ask that question? What do you think? Well, I, th- I think Henderson's done a really good job of trying to burn his bridge at Man United, hasn't he? With some of the things he's been saying since he left. Um, I mean... Do you know what I'm really pleased about? I'm really pleased in the first two games he's had two really good games because I, I just know what some of our fans are like. And obviously it, it was a bit of a wrench to see to see Sam, someone like Sam believe, if not for his, his goalkeeping all the time, more for you know what he brings to the dressing room and the, the charisma he brings to the team. But you, you could just see it almost written in the stars that Anderson had come in and because he's not played football for probably a year, he might you know take a bit of time to get up to speed. But... I think it just epitomises what level of player we've actually managed to sign when he can come in and play. That save yesterday from Sushek, I know, I know that Sushek doesn't really... He should score and he should put his head a, a lot lower than he did, but to get yourself up off the floor and still manage to pull a save off like that is... It, it's ridiculous. And I mean, nothing against Sam, but I don't, I don't think he would have saved that. I think that would have... I'm not sure he'd have got off... I don't know, it was just so quick how he sprung into life. That just that little bit of extra quality, I thought, that you can tell as an international goalkeeper that Henderson's clearly got. Well, he certainly made a right impression from Southgate being there. I mean, what, Southgate couldn't have asked for a better performance from Henderson, Time to really. perfection, yeah. And um, if he does get into the English good luck to him. He, he fully, if he keeps playing like that every week, he'll fully deserve to go on the play to Qatar. There's no, no one could deny that. Mm. And, um, well, with Pope, Pickford and Ramsdale, Southgate's going to have a big headache, but... You know, that's why he's paid the money. That's why he's in the position to do so. But um, so going back to Forrest, uh, Adam, obviously uh, the one big down- downside for us was that Nia Carter went off holding his hamstring, which is always a concern. Um, Steve Cook came on in that instance, you know, leadership, uh, solidity, and pretty much did what he did last year, head it, kick it, clear it. And then, you know, he's come back and get a sniff out of him, really. Um, do you think... Moving forwards, looking at Everton, let's assume it is a hamstring injury for Nia Carter, and that's worst case or best case three weeks. Worst case, we won't think about. Would you have Cook coming in if Cook's back, ready to play? And obviously, there was a bit of like subjectivity as to whether Cook would be all right to be on the bench, but it was a bit surprised inclusion. There he was. So, would you throw him in? Would you play him, uh, Biancone maybe? And so shuffle it around somewhat. What would you do? I think Cook, he slotted in like he did. When he came in January, didn't he? Really, he he did everything that you asked for in a in a centre half and, and a leader. 
he just he just slotted in beautifully. It's a tough one for Steve Cooper because I thought he changed it up a little bit in terms of how he distributed the ball. He, he'd like Warrell would come out to the right back position and kind of like win the header almost or get the ball down that way. And we kind of that's how we split split against West Ham. We we did it really well, I thought. So I think you want to keep that continuity going. Um Bianconi going into to somewhere like Everton might be a, a difficult one to ask of him straight away and moving Worrell into the centre-forward position to mark Anthony Gordon, who it looked like it will probably be up front for Everton. But yeah, this is why Cooper's got, got, the, got the job he has, because he's the one picking the team. I'd personally just keep it, keep cooking if, if Neocarte is not available and I'd keep it the similar back, the back three know, know each other very, very well then. And it's it's no big deal kind of thing. But just touching on Nurkati, he did really well against Antonio. Antonio is a much better player than the one that we had at the City Ground, I I think, in terms of like his actual ability. But Nurkati just absolutely manhandled him uh, all over the shop. Really, it was a really good battle, and 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 Nurkati got a lot a lot of joy out of that. I thought he was excellent, much better than he was at Newcastle. He was very nervous there. I thought. Yesterday, he was the calm, composed man that we signed from Mines. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought it, was, it was a really good battle to watch as well. Like, that you could see every time it was like, right, who's going to win it this time? And it, you, you see, like, both players just sort of like relished it, like going, like, it was really good to see. And um, again, Sky hit a jackpot really with us and um, the Spurs Chelsea game afterwards. Like, it must have been buzzing. <laughs> I couldn't have picked two better games. But no, um, I must admit, there was a bit of a sense of relief for me when Cook put come on because, like, probably about the only bit of continuity we've had since we got promoted having those three together so it was quite nice it was a little bit gave me a bit, little bit of reassurance I was like look they've seen out so much before they can see this out the last 10 minutes will be alright and um, lo and behold we did but one of the reasons why we did that across 90 minutes Reese, and something that was a huge huge improvement compared to Newcastle was the midfield and you know you had obviously Mangala made his first day, first start. He was next to O'Brien. I think the two of them covered between them every single blade of grass. Let alone all the passing they did between them. They looked like they've been playing together for years. And compare that to Newcastle, where we just gave them so much space, just run through us and do what they wanted. That was a marketable, market like a notable improvement. Yeah, I, th- I think. If you compare to the two games, it's pretty obvious. Really, we look nervous now at Newcastle. I think that that I think that was it really. Um, and the thing as well at Newcastle, they was very quickly on to us. Whereas yesterday, West Ham gave us a bit more space, so that allowed us to probably put his foot on the ball a bit more for the new lads, especially, and you know, and play it around a bit more. But um, yeah, them two in sentiment were excellent. To say they've never played a game together. Um, you know, on this podcast, I'm a big fan of Lewis O'Brien. He was probably one of the only midfielders I can think of last season who got the better of Garner and Yates when they was at the peak um, in that 1-0 defeat at Huddersfield at the City Ground. Mangala um, is highly rated. Um, obviously, we don't really know much about him until we've seen him play, but he was excellent as well. You know, the um, what was it Adam mentioned in the group chat earlier, that like kind of half volley across the pitch, that was exquisite um, and they covered every blade of grass really 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 good and it's gonna it's gonna be tough for the new lad is it Froiler and obviously Ryan Yates has still got as well to get back in the side and even you're looking at like likes of Jack Cole back as well we're pretty stacked in that position so yeah that, them two were excellent and you know I did give Williams my man of the match on Twitter but you couldn't have took it away from O'Brien I know he got the Sky man of the match because he was literally everywhere and I'm glad um, my thoughts of watching him last season have come, well, started to come to fruition because he's a very good player and um, hopefully the pair of them can continue um, developing for us. Definitely, there's lots to be excited about there. Brian especially was so good. Like, he's, I, I, I sort of like, you know, as always with a championship and even with our players like Worrell and Johnson, etc., and even Yates, like, you think like, okay, it's a step up in quality. How long will it take them to adapt? I think they're good enough to do it, but how long will it take? O'Brien looks like he's been playing Premier League football for the last five years. Like he just immediately adapted to that. It's like fair play to like the recruitment team and Cooper for getting that one done. So he looks so good. And um, yeah, Lee, obviously just finally wrapping up the West Ham game. Obviously someone I was a bit sort of sceptical about signing in the summer was Nico Williams. But, you know, yesterday, you have to say it was tremendous really. I think he had more touch the ball than anyone else. Like, putting in brilliant delivery after brilliant delivery, with the exception of one ropey free kick, really. 
which went straight into the stands. I was like, oh, good. But um, no, a ball from Wally was superb. The channel ball was looking really good. Obviously, clear off the line, very dogged, very determined. Even when he got beat by Ben Rama, he was busting a gut to try and get back and stop the second ball or stop something else. Um, again, as home debuts go, that was pretty, pretty good. I guess the question is, can he consistently deliver like that? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think um, he is a young player, so I think there's always got to be a, a little bit of uh, forgiveness if they do kind of throw a bad performance in. But at the end of the day, he's played for he's played for Liverpool. He's come through the academy there, where you know, with all due respect to some of you know other clubs, the, the standards that they expect of their young players there is is so high. So he'll, he'll know that he needs to um, keep producing those sorts of performances. But yeah, he he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was another one. It, my biggest worry about signing Williams was that he's always played fullback, whereas obviously last year we were blessed with Spence, who is naturally a wingback. But I think yesterday showed that he's going to very quickly get used to what Steve Cooper wants for him as a wingback. Um, yeah, I think he did have the most touches out of any Forest player, um, most crosses of any player on the pitch, I think. Um, yeah, he, he was just really, really steady. And, and like Reese says, he probably was a, a good bet for man of the match, to be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't have to disagree. I think like like that that sort of core four really like Mangala, O'Brien, Henderson, or Williams. Any one of those could have got. Uh, and I don't think anyone really could have had an eyelid. They all forward and were superb yesterday. And um, we are off and running. How about that? Forest winning games in the Prem again after so many years of shit. It's great, isn't it? Um, anyway, we're gonna go very quickly get some transfers because obviously the owners have shifted again. Uh, so, Adam, uh, we've signed uh, Remo Freuler, Manuel Dennis and Chet Cuyato have all come in. It looks like Neil Morpé is set to sign as well. Um, what's your thoughts on those four players? What do you think they can offer the club? And, you know, yeah, again, do you think it leaves us in a much better place? Would you have not signed any of them? What do you think? The Emmanuel Dennis, Dennis one is pretty exciting. We do need another striker because Lyle Taylor is not good enough to be on the bench for us. Sam Surridge is possibly in that category though I thought he was a lot better than he was at Newcastle when he came on yesterday put a lot of effort in and put himself about and and got stuck in which I thought was good but Emmanuel Dennis last season was was a uh, a bit of a surprise I think yesterday uh, yes last season for Watford scoring 10 goals in 33 games I think it was and got quite a few assists if you look at his record before it's actually rancid he's it's not very good at all but you can only go on what he's done recently so he adds a different dynamic, a quick player, a bit tenacious, got so-called attitude problem, though Steve Cooper's dealt with that sort of thing before, but I think that's a load of nonsense, personally. I think if he's, if he's turning up and scoring goals, I, I couldn't care less, really. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, Freuler, I don't really know much about him. Loved his, loved his uh, video, though. Was quite high production value in the, in the either the Royal Camps at all or, or the Fitter Royal, I would get them mixed up. So that's quite good. Um, got a high reputation coming from Atalanta. So we'll see what he can do. I think he'll probably bring a calmness to us, put a foot on the ball sort of thing. And and yeah, he's obviously reset about Mangala and Lewis O'Brien. It's going to be tough for people to break into that that two now because they look they look really good yesterday, but it's only been one game. So that's that's that one. Uh, Czech Kiate brings a lot of experience. So that, that's a nice depth. And then more pie, again, more depth, more experience, good at this level. So it's going to make our bench look a lot better. Yesterday, you kind of thought, if we go go 1-0 down, who do you bring on to change the game? And it's, it's a difficult one because we've even got a lad who's not kicked a ball with professional football yet. So, yeah, it's going to be make us a lot stronger uh, squad-wise, that's, that's for sure. I think, I think you're right about the bench as well. I mean, I was thinking as well like but with the exception of Sarage I'm surprised to see Cafu come on really but with the exception of Sarage I mean if you're chasing a game and throwing on Lyle Taylor and Alex Mighton like obviously like, I, I like Mighton I think he can develop to be a very good player but he, he needs a loan spell very badly he needs minutes and time to sort of like be a bit more physical like hone his craft a bit more work his final ball we can't the Premier League isn't a, a, a leading round for that so he, and obviously Taylor just isn't good enough. Like you said, like if you're relying on Lyle Taylor in the Premier League, something's gone badly wrong. Um, with all respect to him, I mean, he's a, he's a very good, able championship striker, but ultimately we, we said setting our sights higher. And then, so I'm, I'm quite, it, I was a bit surprised by the more pay link at first, but the more I think about it, the more it does make sense. And if you look at Forest striking options as more pay, Awani, Dennis, Johnson and Surridge, 
all fighting for two spots. That's that's very healthy and strong competition. I think, I think, I think that can. I think these extra additions like allow us to change formation if we need to as well. We can go to three up top yeah, or with two yeah. two wider players sort of thing or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean, Cooper's got a lot more ammunition to to throw at things if we're if we're struggling or whatever. And like you say, healthy competition. So that's it's all good. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so another development that's come out, Reese, is that um James Garner has become available, which of course comes at an awkward time, despite the fact that Forest and Hell mostly secured their midfield options. Um, I know going by the uh, Better Call Saul reference video, well, give me Jimmy, you're still very much pro get him in. But um, now he is made available, which looks like for a fee about 15 million or so. Would you pay it? Or would you sort of, do you think we're sort of done in midfield now? <laughs> yeah, I would pay it. Um, and I'll give you my argument because with fairness, you're probably going to look at Catherine Colback at the end of this season, if not in this window or January, probably not going to be here next season. Um, is Lingard going to be here next season? Debatable. Um, so I just think with the age Garner is and his ability and potential, I just think it would be someone who we could get in who is going to be in the first-team squad as well as looking forward to the future as well. Um, Kiate is another one who was signed who is not really long-term, but I, I also see him more playing as a centre-half, mm. especially if you're near Carte's you know, got a hamstring injury, which will probably put him out for at least a month. So I'd love Garner back. I just think he's got massive potential. And, you know, I just, yeah, I would personally pay it. Um, I can, I understand, you know, people the same. We are pretty stat, which is true. I do feel a bit sorry for the lad, to be honest, because I think that deal could have been done very early on in the summer. It probably could have been his first signing, really. And man, you have kind of messed him about a bit. And I could understand it if Man United were playing teams off the park, but the two games I've watched Man United in, they've been an, to be honest, they've been an absolute disgrace to the club. And for Ten Hag to be bringing on McMuffin second half to try and save the game, I just, I just think give someone else a go for for goodness' sake, because the players who are getting in the team at the minute aren't, you know, aren't giving you anything. So give a lad who's a Man United fan into, who's come through the academy, why not give him a chance? So I do feel a little bit sorry for him in that sense. But, um, yeah, you know my thoughts. And like I said, I'd love Garner back. Um, he's probably going to get a Premier League team, isn't he? Spurs isn't going to be the right move for him. I thought Spence would play. He wasn't even in the 20 yesterday, which is, you know, like um, my mate said to me, Tanganga and Doherty were on the bench ahead of him. So that all points already, doesn't it, to a low move in January. So... Garner probably isn't going to get in the Spurs here. I think Basuma was on the bench once yesterday. So, he was, yeah. Um, you're probably looking at, I know, is it Leeds and Leicester have been linked with him? I mean, I hope he doesn't go to either of them. I'm not going to lie. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love him back. And um, it's just a shame, really, for him that it's gone so far down the transfer window that Man U finally made a decision when they could have just probably made this decision six weeks ago, really. Yeah, it's a bit silly. I mean, the way I see it is that um, I know him and Freuler seem fairly similar. Obviously, Freuler's done it at a high level for more for longer, mm. but given Freuler's age, being 30, I wouldn't be against Garner coming in, to be honest. And sort of like, I know he you would want to be expected to be playing games or in that mix, but at least he had a chance of playing. I mean, you're right. I mean, Man United, I, if Forrest got relegated to Derby's level, I wouldn't want McTominay as a fucking gift. He's a dread, <laughs> dreadful excuse for a footballer. He's an embarrassment to the sport. How Garner's we sat on that bench, sat next to Ronaldo, I'm thinking, what are we doing here, sat here? That fucking circus clown's out there just giving the ball away. I can't get a look in. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I was just United. laughing at that United performance because they were slating Dean Henderson, one of United fans, for that. He was a guy who wanted to play for the club while I've got yeah. a guy up front who was actively wanting to move all summer, starting up front for them. But because he's obviously one of the best players of all time, he gets a free pass from the fans. And <laughs> it's just, you know, in a Man United podcast, but I, I generally wish was playing United very soon because they're just weak, mentally weak. And I just think, do you know if they come to Forest and it was rocking out well, yesterday, yeah. they just will. They just completely yeah. will. They they wilting at the Brentford Community Stadium for fuck's sake. Not, didn't they didn't even sell out the other day. Just because they've seen Hey Jude before the game, Sky thinks this is amazing atmosphere. 
and they just wilt that completely wilt under it. It's just like you said earlier, Christian, the introduction. It's for these years, man, you've been the team there was, and it is kind of funny. But for me, it's got like I don't feel sorry for them, but you just think, God, how, how far has a team fallen? It's quite incredible, really. Exactly. Is, but I mean, just touch on the Henderson thing very quickly. What I find remarkable, and obviously Lee mentioned that in burning his bridges, Henderson only said what they were all thinking. Like, you know, yeah. he, I find it amazing they all gone, oh, green and gold until United are sold, slash, they buy someone for £70 million. But it's all like, you know, everything he was saying, I, I wanted to play for the club. I was told I'd play for the club. I was told that I was, that was taken away from me. I'm obviously very upset about that. I've left to move on. Like, they all saying exactly the same. They're all saying drop the hair. They're all saying, like, what's going on? He's come out and said that. He's a villain for it. I, it it's just remarkable. And it does give you still a sense of satisfaction when the hair is dropped an absolute shocker on Saturday yeah, evening. Yeah, yeah. Henderson's had an absolute wildy yesterday. So, no, yeah. It's, it's uh, just bizarre. But, I mean, going back good, to Garner, Good for Forrest. I do agree with you. I think that if we can do a deal for Garner... I would do it. I know it's. I know it makes us very stacked in midfield and very competitive. But you're right. We're only like we're going to be two injuries away from having to play Kaffir or Colback, for example, having them around the team. And whereas I think if you have like say uh, so we've got O'Brien, Mangala, um, Froiler, Yates, Garner, and Kuyate as your six midfield options. One, it gives you like Adam touched upon earlier more tactical flexibility. We could you might see Forest in a four-three-three at any point. And two, those are some good options. Like, you know, if you get Garner coming in back in, I think it should be, yeah, I think it'd be a big lift. I would gladly, gladly take him back. And yeah. And I think you've got, got to I'd mention um, Awar as well, haven't we? Yeah, really linked with. So. I'd have Garner just after that Nico Williams free kick, personally. Yeah, that went into like, like row Z, didn't it? It was a business. Yeah. But um, one of the corporate boxes in the fucking stand that. It's awful. <laughs> I, think we, I think going back to that James Garner argument, I think you get him in. I mean, 40 million is, I, I do look at that and go, it's a bit steep. But at the same time, he knows the club and he knows what to expect. And you, and we all know what we're getting from a, from him. He's just, he's a work, he's a workhorse kind of played like like Reese touched upon last season, a scrawny little kid looks like he just sits in his bedroom all day playing computer games, but game on a football pitch and he absolutely nails a nails a bloke. So it's great. But yeah, so get him in for the deck. If he can play number 10 as well, Christian, like we've we've touched on, on that as well. Very so uh, where the fuck is Ryan Yates is not gonna get a look in. He's gonna be managing the under 23s at this rate. <laughs> you know, places. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm quite excited to see how it all fills out because I think we're going to have a squad of 25. This is going to be Keeper's biggest um, task, I think. It's not really gelling the squad, keeping everyone happy. And I know obviously we get five subs, so there'll be a lot of rotation from that element, but you're going to get 25 good players by the looks of things coming under the window, all chomping at the bit to play. And that can only be a good thing for Forest. It's going to be a good, like, you know, we. how many years have we had? Think back to a few years ago when we had fucking dickheads like Mancien and Matt Mills just like oh who cares if we lose my place is set for next week oh who cares I won't track that runner oh whatever like we've completely shifted away from that now and we've got players who not only want to be at the club but will buff their guts to play at any opportunity because they know how hard it is like to keep their shirt and you know it's a good thing I'm I'm all for it and you're right again if you play number 10 role I don't think we have anyone in the squad that could deliver a dead ball better than James Garner. And before anyone comes up with, oh, we took so many, he still got seven assists last year from set pieces alone. Like, that's an incredible amount. So, I don't I think. think as well, just, and I do, I do, I do hope Ryan Yates just get a chance to impress. I'm sure he will do because, mm. you know, you do want to, there is a core of players who you do want to have a chance in the Premier League, like Warren McKenna, Johnson, Yates, them type of players. You know, we gave Ryan enough criticism at times last year. So I do hope there comes a point when he does get a chance to impress and then we'll, you know, as Twitter has argued all through the summer, we'll see whether or not he is, can step up to the Premier League. But I hopefully he'll get that chance to impress, which I'm sure he will do. On the topic of number 10s and people who can fill in that role, Lee, it looks like that we've moved on from Morgan Gibbs-White. And we've gone for the equally ambitious target of Hossem Awa of Lyon. Um, tremendously gifted player who could have signed for Arsenal last year, but for oh. reasons only his agent brother knows, didn't. Uh, had been linked with Man City and Juventus before that for his dazzling performances in the Champions League. Obviously, he's had a bit of a fall from grace. Still posted all right numbers. Lyon have had a big fall from grace. I think they came eighth in um, Ligue 1 last year. So they got him out the door to try and recoup some money and build again. Um, 
from your perspective, Lee, how important would it be to sign a player of Alwar's quality and calibre, for example? Um, what do you think that would say about Forrest as a club? And more importantly, what do you think he could offer Forrest? Well, I'd definitely say we're not here to, to fuck about. Um, it, it'd just be such a statement signing, wouldn't it? I mean, in the space of 12 months, he's gone from being linked. Well, I think last year, two years ago, he was called incredible by Pep. Said he'd end up at the Premier League, meaning someone like Arsenal or Tottenham. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's in advanced talks to come to us. And it's just crazy that we're considering signing him for 15 million. And we were being quoted about 170 for Morgan Gibbs White, if you listen to the right reports. Um, kept going up, didn't it? The number, like, yeah. Well, I, mean, like, I bet they want about. I bet he's valued similar to Declan Rice now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it'd just be incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, I saw, I've seen some bits and Bob saying, "Oh, he's stalling. Let's not get him. He doesn't want to play for us." Like he's a young lad. He, he's considering making his first move abroad um, for a, a career change that he probably has kind of nothing to gain and everything to lose when you look at it. Um, He's going to take a bit of time, isn't he? I don't think there's anything to read too much into that. Um, but yeah, I think anyone who's saying we don't want him because he wants to take his time over the contract we've offered him, come on, have, have a think. Look at watch some videos. Look at the look at the player you're getting. We're not talking Morgan Gibbs White. We're talking a player who was fancied by arguably the greatest coach in our game. Um, so yeah, I mean, anyone who says otherwise is just clueless. To be honest, I mean, why would you not want him? I mean, it's. It's just crazy to think what I mean. You look at some of the other bids. I, I mean, I've read before we came on here, yeah, Musa Dembele, we put an offer in for. I mean, say what you want about the owners of this football club, but they've, they've like I say, they're not here to mess about. They're, they're making inquiries for top, top players. Mm. Whether we're a newly promoted side or not, we're going to leave no stone unturned. And if I think Billy Davis coined it once, didn't he, when we signed Ramsey? If you don't buy a raffle ticket, you can't buy the raffle. So, um, yeah, let's get him. I, I hope he comes. Um, it's a risk because the French League isn't the Premier League, is it? Let's face it. I mean, it's probably not the Farmers League that some make it out, but yeah, let's do it. I mean, 15 million, it's it's a no-brainer for us. If 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 he's rubbish in the Prem, we'll comfortably get, 50, well, it's 15 million euros, so 13 million quid. We'll comfortably get that back for him, if, if not make profit on him. Still got Lingard as well, so if one of Absolutely. Them, you know, those you're up to, I mean, they... It's a, I mean, the thing that worried me on Sunday, like I said to you guys before as well, like the last 10, 15 minutes, through no fault of his own, Lingard, obviously, you know, his, summer, his future took ages to resolve. You know, he barely had a pre-season. He was blowing out his arse that last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. You can see him trying. You see his legs just weren't there. Like, he was trying to, like, get in the way and block balls. And he was, like, you know, like crazy, like, drowning his shirt in sweat with his face. But afterwards, like... And our option was Oliver Hammonds, who, with all well-respects in the world, we can't throw a kid who's not kicked a ball the Premier League chase when you're starting the game out. So if we get, for example, if Lingard gets to that state on say minute 65 and RR comes on, Jesus Christ. Or if you get them to fighting each other again, like I touched on one earlier, like that's serious caliber of player. That's not let's just try and stay up caliber of player. That's we're we're looking for more. I think and... I think I think as well with going back to the Garner thing, I mean I've seen a lot of people say where does he fit in? Well yeah, OK, in the short term, where does he fit in? But he's 21. I mean, mm. like Reese said, Cafu, Colbeck, Foyle is 30, Kiyarty is 32. Let, let's still plan for the future. If, James Garner's an exceptional footballer who could become one of the best central midfielders in this country. Let's face it. Mm. Why would you not take the risk? It's 14 million quid. As a Premier League club, that's absolutely nothing. Um, take the risk, plan for the future still. And like you've just said, he would be an option... If he has to sit on the bench for a couple of months, he's an option. I know he's not he's not particularly fancied as a 10, but like yesterday, sticking him on for the last 15 minutes, asking him just to go and put yourself about in that number 10 role in place of Lingard, it's an absolute no-brainer for me. Just because he might not get in, in his actual position this season, you've got to kind of still plan for the future, I think. No, definitely. It's um, very exciting, and hopefully we can land those. Obviously, more pay looks pretty much done, going by, obviously, Romano. Um, our... We'll have to wait and see, but it's looking like it's progressing along rather nicely. Obviously, provisional contract agreed, so we'll have to see. Um, hopefully, that transpires over the next few days, and you know, we go into Everton full of strength and like actual depth for once, or for the first time all season. But on the topic of Everton, obviously, we did cover up the last pods um, before we decided we go a bit more frequent to cover the um, Premier League games. Um, so, 
obviously, Adam, your prediction last week was a nil-nil draw against Everton at Goodison Park. Uh, Race, you went one-nil Forests. Lee, you went score draw, which I'm taking as one-all. And I said uh, one-nil Forests. I just wanted to ask you, has any of your view changed at all? Has your predictions changed ever so slightly? Or are you sticking with what you've got? So, Adam, I'll start with you. Are you still thinking a nil-nil score uh, draw, or are you thinking anything else? The, the fruition of Fat Frank getting sacked early on is going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. They, they're in. They, this game is massive for them. But we've got nothing to lose. There's no pressure on us um, because of us picking that result up against West Ham. We can go to to Everson and go. Do you know what? It, we, we're expected to still lose. We can go and have a go. And now we've got reinforcements. I, I definitely believe we can get a result, whether it's a win or a draw. It's, I, I'm not sure whether it's still enough for me to change my my answer of a draw. I, maybe we'll lean to us scoring at least, definitely. But Everton are under the cash. It, it's, the, Lampard's got his work cut out, especially with how many injuries they've got as well. They lost two defenders. I know they big bought Conor Cody in, but and they've signed Anana. But they've got no striker. They've got. Yeah, he's, he's, he looks like a tank. Um, so good but they've got. They've got. They've got no recognised striker. They've got Dwight McNeil who played for a relegation relegation uh, team in Burnley and got like zero assists and goals last season. I, I don't know if I'm, not, if I'm not worried about him honestly. So yeah, no, we can have a real good go, and I'm sure recently we'll have a joyous time in in this in in Liverpool next weekend. A wonderful grounds, Goodison Park. It's a wonderful, wonderful grounds. Um, unfortunately, I have to go. I'm not. I'm not actually um, been there to watch a game or anything like that. But I, like I've played there once. It's just a beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, Race, are you sticking with one nil? Are you? Yeah, I'm sticking one nil. Um, I did say I thought Everton would be his first win, but which I was wrong on. But I did also say that Everton would lose their first two games, and they have lost them both. I just think they'll be under big pressure. They'll look at Forest at home and think this is the first game we win. And I just think if we get ahead, the crowd will turn. Mm. And it generally won't surprise if we scored early that the turn and we got when we put them to the sword, to be honest. I just think that would give us a confidence boost. If they get the first goal, then it'll be interesting because that, you know, on that on the flip, that might, that will probably give them a confidence boost. So it's a very, very interesting, intriguing game, to be honest, Saturday. And I've looked at the odds and they're quite they're massive favourites. So um looking very looking forward to it. I've never been to Goodison. Um I've been by it a couple of times with work, but looking forward to going to traditional old ground, uh, like you just said, Christian. And hopefully it can be um a better away performance than it was against Newcastle. But yeah, I'm sticking with my prediction and um hopefully pile on some more misery for Let's be honest, he's probably going to be a team who will be fighting that bottom eight with to, you know, push them um, down into the championship. No, definitely. And um, yeah, it's a proper, like you're right, it's very traditional. It's like, it's a bit like Villa Park, proper, proper yeah. grounds. Great ground. Club. Um, Lee, what about you? Are you sticking with the score draw? No, I think we'll win be... now. I think we'll win. Oh. Um, <laughs> That said, I think knowing Adam's record from last year with the Huddersfield debacle, I might put a fiver on Dwight McNeil to score the first goal. Of <laughs> um, <Damn> it. <laughs> but yeah, I think we might win. I think, like uh, Reese has just said there, I think if we score first and it's early, I've been at Goodison before when um, I was actually lucky enough to go to Everton Liverpool once, and um, oh, the atmosphere is just horrendous when it's not going well for them. Um, and back then they were finishing like top eight as a minimum every season, so even then. When Liverpool, I think Liverpool's a bit different, isn't it? Because they absolutely despise each other. But still, it's not a, it, it's close to the pitch. It's a it's an old ground with lots of character. So when the fans get on their backs, it's um it's a nightmare for them. So I think if if we do go and get the first goal, I think they will turn. Um I actually think they might sack him if we beat them and we beat them quite comfortably. I think they'll get rid of him. Um <laughs> Bold statement. Bold call. Yeah. I don't know why. Five just, pound on Dwight McNeil to score, but Lampard to get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're just, they're in, they're going nowhere, are they? They kind of, all the links with players are their players going out and they've got this money. I know they've signed that Anana, haven't they, from, from is it Lil? He's come from. Um, but yeah, I, I just think he's under massive pressure and three, three straight defeats with a home defeat to Forest. If it's a comfortable one, I think they might just cut their losses and bin him off. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think we will win comfortable. I think it'll be, 
I'm only going to change it. I'll put an extra goal in. I think it'll be 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one for us. Nice. Yeah. Um, I re- what I'm intrigued by, obviously, because what's come out over the last 24 hours or so is that Chelsea have been bidding for Anthony Gordon. And so I don't know how that's going to progress over the week. Of course, none of us do, but how, how serious that is. But if I get to the point where Gordon isn't playing against us, or worse, for whatever he's been left out because he's going to complete it with Chelsea because his head's not there, or because he's actually gone to Chelsea, that's a huge blow for Everton. Because like, Gordon was about the only bright spot they had against Villa. I thought they were really, really poor, like until Anana came on anyway. Um, it just seemed like, I know obviously they won't play last against us because they're the, um, they're the home side, but Everton basically, you know, they were well beat for 80 to 8 minutes in that game. And then obviously Anana went for and they scored and then had a little flurry towards the end. But apart from a few set pieces, they didn't really offer a lot. And um, I get they've not really got a focal point up front, but the only person making things happen, it actually reminded me of when um, Ryan O'Neill in charge and Lolly would pick the ball up about just outside our penalty box and run with it until about the halfway line and then get stopped or win a throw in and whatever else. Gordon was doing that for them. And um, if he's not playing, that's a huge, huge blow for them. And, you know, because not only have they got like a new centre-back pairing sort of getting to grips with everything, you've then taken away their most attacking and creative threat. So Calvert-Lewin's still injured as well. Um, I think we could win there. I think it could be one or maybe even two nil. Be lucky. I think that you know with the enfor- reinforcements we've got coming in with Dennis and likely more pace, even it's done in time. We there's no reason why we can't. I you, you know, I tried from what I saw on Sunday. There's no reason why Brian and Mangala can't cover that ground. They're picked again. There's no reason we defended really well against West Ham. Really, I, I, they didn't really create that much. You know, in terms of actual cutting us to pieces for chances. You know, the the header from Suchet came from a rebound off the bar. You know, they had a shot blocks and a couple of shots, but they didn't really test Henderson from like, from like one-on-one situations or when they like ripped through us. It was like, oh God, here we go. So like, we can hold firm. And yeah, I think we can get a win there. And I think, I don't think it'll be the one that gets in the sack, but I do think if you're seeing, um, you know, if you're an Everton fan, you're seeing three losses from three, um, one loss has come from new promoted Forest, the booze at full time will be phenomenal. So um <laughs> they ain't got big dunk to um, sort them out now yeah. as well and keep the peace so um, it's going to be interesting I'm just having a look at their fixtures I mean they've got after us I'll take the EFL Cup out they've got Brentford away which is tough Leeds away and then Liverpool and Arsenal so um, <laughs> yeah. me, me and Reese are speaking to an Everton fan this week for our preview and that is going to be an interesting one yeah, I, I, I reckon Sean Dyche will be there very soon. That's my tip. Wow. I, I think, think they'll um, get Rooney back. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just gone, he's just gone to DC, hasn't he? Yeah. Written in the stars. So. They'll get him back. Mm. Uh, that, well, the it. thing is, would, would Sean Dyche t- go to Everton? I, I, I don't know. I think I think think... it's a big pull. I think it's much like mm. when Forrest went basket case in the Championship. It's, bit, it's a bit of a... Manage it. It's a poison part of Everton. Bit of, and they are, I do agree, but it's a bit of a poison chalice. And if you've got no strikers or anything, then... You know, yeah, you can do so much, can't you? You're going to bring Ashley it, Barnes back, so it's fine. <laughs> if they sell um, Gordon, though, let's say they get 40 million and go mm. out and buy, they've got it, some wiggle room there, maybe. Apparently, apparently, I did read that was a verbal offer from Chelsea and Everton dismissed it, so I don't know whether... Mm. I mean, I'd be amazed if he didn't play against us on Saturday, so... Unless something develops in the week. Yeah. So, we can only see what happens on that front, but um, on that front, it will, and hopefully we come to you next week with three more points. Because I think it, what's important for me, if we win at Everton, it almost makes the Spurs and City games redundant. Because if you said to me, I would have taken five points in my first five games, and that would have been a push, really. Like, if we get six, I, whatever. Like, you know, two, you two, three. Two, yeah. Yeah. two, two three hits, isn't To be fair, that Spurs game at home, I think we could get some out of that. I know Spurs are a very, very good side. They are, but they are prone to wilt a little bit at times. So if we put it on them, you never know. I mean, City away is just, if, they're, off, right? if they're at full flight, you're going to get beat. But again, there is, there is times when they do have an off day. So you never know in football. You never know. So, mm. yeah, but to but, get yeah, some points get on the them, board, yeah, it's brilliant. That's it. Get yourself in a comfortable position, points on the board. If you lose those games and so what, you've taken your points from where you needed yeah. to. You look at the next set, that's all we can do. Yeah. But um, we've done the right, we've, done, we've started off in the right way. You know, we've started making the City Ground a Fortress. That's for the first game. Other teams will watch that and think, don't really fancy that, hopefully. 
So, yeah, we start as a mean to go on. We've got a win at home in the clean sheet and with three points on the board, we're in a much better position than we were and much happier than we were having lost last week to Newcastle. So hopefully next week we do come with you with more positivity and another win in the bag, but obviously time will tell. And who knows, some more players in the boots bag too. But until then, have a good week and we'll all be looking forward to Saturday much like you will be too. Go on your Reds. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.